I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Job, Job chapter 13. Job chapter 13. Now, I'd love to go through Job. I like to go through the book of Job and go through, and uh, I, I could always teach the more you read the book of Job, the more you find. Uh, I'd love to go through and, and teach Job again. I did that a while ago. Uh, maybe one of these days I'll do that. It's a, it's a very unique book. Uh, it's the oldest book of the Bible. Uh, this stuff was being written down, and these events were taking place prior to Moses writing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And uh, um, it, uh, you know, obviously is right around that time, uh, just around Abraham, because you find Ishmaelites in here and some other people uh, that uh, are there. And, and you find uh, Job isn't necessarily labeled as Jewish in this, in this you know, in, in the book, but there's some interesting things. You find the individual that actually penned it, uh, Elihu, who wrote down these things. He had some things to say. He was the fourth friend that God did not condemn because Joe, because Elihu was well, kind of spot on about what was going on. Uh, you find, you know, the the uh, uh, if you will, the lecture that God gave Job uh, about who do you think you are? Um, again, you know, Job didn't sin with his lips, and praise God for that. And basically, it comes down to the book of Job is proving that God is always right and the devil is always wrong. I mean, that's that's one of the themes that we find in this book. And Job, as he's going through all of these problems, has lost his family, he's lost his uh, his his um, his riches, his wealth. He, he's now facing health issues. He's got boils all over him, and if you know how bad. Boils can get, boils are nasty. They, they hurt, they itch. And here he is with a piece of uh, uh, pottery sitting there scratching it and, and scraping himself and, and doing all sorts of stuff that would make, you know, that uh, pimple popper videos just uh, light up on the YouTube and all that stuff. I tell you, he's got it rough. He's got it rough and and many times he bemoans himself and he says, oh man, I wish I was never born. And, you know, the day that I, uh, that I was born, I cursed the day that I was born and all these things. And he, he, he just, he, he's, he's really lamenting. He's going through a difficult time. But if there's one thing that I want to focus on Job, that Job got right was this issue of trust. Job chapter 13 and in verse 15, and this is a familiar verse, quoted many times, but this morning I want to speak specifically about this issue of in whom we trust. And it says right there in Job chapter 13 and verse 15, though he slay me, talking about God, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you again, Lord, for an opportunity to be here this morning, to be in your word. And Lord, as we um, just look at and tackle this subject of trust, I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, make our hearts very soft and tender to you and your Holy Spirit. You'd break up any hardness and that, Lord, you just let the word of God pierce in there and, and take hold. And Lord, we would just realize the importance of trusting you. Not trusting in ourselves, not trusting in the things of man, but trusting wholly and completely in you. And Lord, may we have understand that concept this morning. Thank you again for all that you've done for us, Lord. I pray you just give me the words to speak and the strength this morning to just uh, deliver the message that you have for us. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. We take a look at this passage, and it's a familiar one. We've, we've quoted it. We've talked about it several times. And I want to talk about whom we trust. Um, at one point in time in our, in our history of our nation, we decided we needed a motto. We have a motto for our church. Uh, it is, uh, to God be the glory, based off of uh, what we see over there that Peter wrote. Um, and if you will, is one of uh, one of my favorite hymns, "To God Be the Glory." 
Because everything that we say and do should be for the glory of God. If we can't bring glory to God in what we're doing, we ought not be doing it. We ought not say it, and we ought not think it. That's, I mean, that's what it boils down to. If you want a simple, easy, hey, you know, this is, this is going to help me in my life, just ask yourself every single time you're about ready to say something, is that going to glorify God? If it doesn't glorify God, don't say it. Should I do this? Well, is it going to glorify God? Don't do it. If, uh, if you're going to have thoughts and you're going to entertain thoughts, does it glorify God? Don't think about it. Those are things that we begin to, to understand. But the motto of our nation is, in God we trust. And man, it still lights the atheists up. And there's still lawsuits after lawsuits after lawsuits. You know how many millions of your tax dollars we've spent defending in God we trust? That's ridiculous. But it is a motto nonetheless. And when we think about who we trust in our lives, it should be in God we trust. But this isn't just some little cliche that we have on our currency. This isn't something that we have posted somewhere in some uh, grand building somewhere in our capital. This is something that we live by. And there's a difference between having a motto or a mantra and having a heart that is fixed on it. And as we talk about this trust this morning, I want to define what trust is. I don't think people really understand what trust is. You know, I was, the first time I went into surgery back in August, and it was emergency surgery, I just remember, you know, God just walking through, if you will, one principle that was constantly there in my mind, and that was the peace of God. You know, they walk in and they told me that I had cancer. Thank God I don't. He walked in and said I had cancer and I had to have surgery. And uh, I just remember, okay, those are two big scary words, but I just had peace. There was a sadness. There was a concern. But I just had peace. I had peace the whole time I was there. The next time I went in and, and uh, again, still had peace and uh, going into the, into the first surgery, but then when everything just kind of went you know, all over the place and just kind of created all sorts of problems and issues, I just remember the one thing that kept popping up in my mind was trust him, trust him, trust him. God just teaching a lesson every single one of these instances. Trust him. How much do you trust him? How much do you trust him? And this kind of became a reoccurring thought in my mind. And I began to ask myself, well, what does trust really mean? You know, sometimes we tell people we trust them. We all trust the government here, right? We trust them to do the right thing. We trust politicians when they speak to us, right? We're getting ready to go into campaigns come 2024. We trust everything they say, right? Because they they keep their promises, right? No. So when we say trust, we kind of like, you know, sometimes it's tongue-in-cheek. Sometimes it's like, yeah, and we'll we'll give you caveats. I trust you, but, you know, I got my eyes on you. That's not trust. That's not trust. Let's think about what the word means. Definition of the word is is obviously, it has a lot to do with confidence. has a lot to do with confidence. How many of us trust ourselves? I want you to think about the biggest temptation that you can ever think in your life. You're locked into a room. And they do this with kids sometimes. The marshmallow test is what they call it. But let's say they, they, they do it specifically for Ken Stewart. And they put me in a room. And there in front of me are jelly beans. And I haven't eaten lunch. 
And I know because of the health stuff that I've got going on, I need to eat frequently. And they're just sitting there. And it's my favorite kind, too. And I'm just like, oh, oh, would I trust myself? No. I'll just be honest. Put a bowl of jelly beans in there. That's what it's there for. It's meant to be eaten. That's why they were created. That's why they were made. You put them in front of me. Yes, I'm going to eat them. Would I trust myself? So I don't put confidence in myself. Kind of like, well, you don't have no, you don't have any self confidence. No, my confidence is in Christ, because I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. With men, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. There's my confidence. I don't put confidence in princes. I don't put confidence in men. I don't put confidence in myself. My confidence is in God. But when we talk about it a little bit more, we talk about it as define uh, a reliance or a resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, and friendship or other sound principle of another person. We're basing it off of what we have seen. We're basing off what has been done before. When the nation of Israel was told to, to trust God, when he was told specifically, you need to put your trust in him. He had already demonstrated to them over and over and over again that they could. When we talk about it, the definition, again, we come back to where it says something that is committed to a person's care for use or management and for which an account must be rendered. I want you to think about that. God's given us a trust. He's put you in trust of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you're going to have to give an account for it. He's given you a body. He's given you salvation. Uh, it's put in, in, in your trust. What are, you, what are you going to do with it? Uh, how are you going to manage it? How are you going to use it? Just like the parable of the talents. What are you going to do? Let's think about it in this sense as well when we start talking about that. If we're talking about trusting God and, and what are we doing? We're committing to God's care the use and the management of us, our life. How much do we trust God with our life? Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. If God's plan was to take his life, Job was fine with that. He was having a little bit of a rough go, so I'm sure he probably wanted a bit of an escape. But when we think about, again, this clear definition that it's being something that's committed to another person for their use and for their management, saying, hey, because of your integrity, because of who you are, because of our relationship, because of the sound principles of holiness and righteousness, God, I'm going to trust you to use me and manage my life the way you see fit. Every young person needs to get a hold of that. Every young person needs to get a hold of that. We talk about it in the form of law. We've all heard about trusts and trustees and with wills and things like that. Uh, in, in, in the legal sense, it, it's when an estate is, uh, um, in the, if you will, is, is granted in confidence to someone else to convey it, meaning to, to dispose of the, the, the profits, dispose of uh, the items based upon the will of someone else. The will of someone else. And we think about that, it's not our will that we're, we're basing it on, it's the will of God. He's given us a will. He left us a testament of what, telling us what to do. And he says, I'm going to put this in trust with you. I want you to do it, but you're going to have to trust me. The first thing that you need to understand is trust me. 
Turn over to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 17. You know, by the time you get to Jeremiah, uh, things have just really gone downhill with the nation of Israel. Um, dare I say, they're, uh, you know, our country's pretty close to what's going on with Israel at this point in time in Jeremiah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, would the God that we had a prophet that would stand up like Jeremiah and have a, uh, a national, if you will, um, impact. But the impact that Jeremiah had was minimal. He had like one convert, and he made a lot of people mad. And had a bunch of people throw him in prison and so on and so forth. And uh, all sorts of bad things happened to Jeremiah. But Jeremiah points out the problem with the nation of Israel. And, he, and here he is in Jeremiah chapter 17. And in verse 7, Jeremiah chapter 17, and verse 7 it says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. Now, that's a great verse to memorize. That's a great verse to put up on your wall. That's a great verse to, to, to have when you're driving down I-5. That's a great verse to have. Um, but, but, but I'll tell you this. He, he's talking about how a person is blessed in, his, in their life. How do we get those blessings? Well, you trust God. Nation of Israel is, is starting to see those blessings disappear. Nation of Israel is getting ready to go in bondage. Nation of Israel is having some some uh, some some problems, and he's condemning, and he's uh, he's saying, "Look, here, these things are going to happen. You guys are going to go into captivity because of your sins. You guys are going to, uh, 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 if you will, he, he starts talking about the potter and the clay, and how you know things are going to turn out pretty bad because they're not allowing God to use them. Why? Because they don't trust God." You know what nation of Israel's biggest problem was? Is they didn't trust God. You know why idolatry creeps into a person's life? Why idolatry crept into uh, into, uh, the, uh, uh, the nation of Israel's life? Because they didn't trust God. They didn't wholly trust Him. Take a look at uh, chapter 28 of the book of Jeremiah uh, in, in this passage. And again, to kind of highlight these issues, you know, when we're dealing with sin and we're dealing with problems in our life and we're struggling with uh, uh, what's happening uh, around us, I'll tell you, one of the key things that we need to understand is a continued trust in God. A continued, if you will, placing of confidence, a continued trusting in the sound principles of God's holiness and righteousness, that he's always going to do that which is right. He's always going to do that which is just. He is not going to leave us nor forsake us. We trust those things. In Jeremiah chapter 28 and in verse 15, it says, Then said the prophet Jeremiah, to Hananiah the prophet, hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Now I want, I want to highlight this because he talks about blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. And here's Hananiah, this other prophet coming in and he's causing people to trust in a lie. Now, if I had to describe the nation of the United States of America, we've got a lot of people trusting in lies. When we find ourselves backsliding, when we find ourselves outside of the will of God, I will tell you this, we have trusted in a lie. And the majority of counseling comes down to that. A majority of when you're dealing with these specific issues, it comes down to there's all of these subset symptoms that lead to this greater issue of somebody isn't trusting God. Somebody isn't trusting his word. Somebody isn't trusting Christ for this as their savior. It's happened in council sessions. Go through and all of a sudden you start having a conversation about trusting Christ as your savior and you find that person's never trusted Christ. You find that person 
has never called upon the name of the Lord, you find that that person has has rejected. I will tell you this: it's going to be hard pressed to have any biblical principles uh, uh, to have any effect in a person that is unregenerate. Why? Because the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. The natural man can't comprehend it. They need to be born again. They need to have Jesus Christ. They need to have the Holy Spirit. They need God above everything. And I point this out, and he talks about this many times. He talks about it over in, in, in chapter 29 as well, is where people begin to trust in that, the, the, those, those lies. And many times there are individuals turn over the book of Luke. They start trusting in something else other than God. They start deviating from trusting him. In Luke chapter 18 and in verse 9, we find that this is point, this parable is being pointed out saying, here's the, here's why this is being said. And Luke writes down in, in uh, Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. They trusted in their own righteousness. Paul points this out in Romans chapter 10. When he said they went about to establish their own righteousness. And you know what they did? They did not go after the righteousness of God. They disregarded it. He makes that very clear in Romans chapter 10, the very first few verses. And here he's pointing out that this parable was being spoken specifically for the purpose of those that trusted themselves. Those that trusted themselves. And he talks about the two men that went up to pray. The Pharisee and the publican. And the Pharisees saying, I thank God, which is a good thing. But he's like, I thank God I'm not like that sinner over there. If we were to sit down and begin to compare ourselves among ourselves, which is not wise according to Scripture, let's just start comparing ourselves to the world. How many of us think we're better than Hitler? You're like, well, I just came right out of the gate on that one. Of course, why not? he's, He's one of the top mass murderers. Stalin was a little bit worse. Millions, millions of people. Do we do, do, do we do we understand that concept of millions of people? Millions of people being killed. Millions of bodies. And then you got the Holocaust deniers. Yeah, why don't you go ask the GIs that had to bury the millions of bodies? They won't even talk about it because of the atrocities. And people are like, oh, well, you know, you know, they, they find one of these Nazis living somewhere and they bring them, bring them before the court. You know who goes out and hunts those down? Israel. They go after them. They want to make sure they pay. And they're like, well, the guy's like 90-something years old. And they're like, they killed 90-something-year-old Jews. That, that, that's, on, that's on the Jews, okay? That's, that's, that's Israel. That's what they do. But I will say this. Millions of people were killed. Do we think we're better than them? Well, I didn't kill anybody. Well, praise God. Taking taking a human life is not something you, you you deal with very very easily. It stays with you for the rest of your life. And I'll tell you this: when when we start comparing ourselves, we start looking at our sin and saying, "Oh, my sin isn't that bad." Well, let's take a look at the root of the sin. They trusted in themselves. They didn't trust in God. That's what it boils down to. It's this issue of trust. It's this issue of trust. 
I want you to turn over to the book of Psalms. I want you to see some, some passages here in Psalms. And, and, and we're looking at, you know, these psalmists and many times the psalmists are writing because they're in, in trouble or there's a problem or they see an injustice or something is there that is, is, is affecting them that they, that, that, that disturbs them. And in Psalm chapter four, Psalm chapter four, I want you to see how we begin to trust God. In Psalm chapter four, he goes through and he starts talking about, uh, um, all of these, these, uh, these things about, uh, uh, how long people are going to seek for their own glory and things of that. Uh, but, but we get down to this part where he talks about standing in awe in verse five, excuse me, in verse four, and sin not commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Basically, let's take responsibility for what we did. Did we do that which was right or did we, did we do that which is wrong? Do we stand in awe of the fact that we are going to face a holy and righteous God one day? Are we going to be judged in our sins? Or are we going to claim the payment of Jesus Christ on the cross? But in verse 5 here, I want you to see this about trust. He says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. And that first, first phrase is, could preach on its own right. Offering the sacrifice of praise. Or excuse me, offer the sacrifice of righteousness. You know what? Doing what you're, is right, God considers that um, a sacrifice. Why? Because your will gets burned on the altar. Because what you want to do is set aside for God's will. Doing what is right. But he says, and put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. You know, part of when we start talking about what is righteousness, if you want to be and do that which is righteous, then you need to start trusting God. If you've got an area of sin in your life and you're like, oh, I need to replace it with a biblical uh, uh, um, um, response, then, then the best thing to do is to start trusting God. So when God says, you know, hey, here, here's a sin that you're doing, uh, you need to do the exact opposite of it. You need to, in a form of repentance, turn away uh, uh, from that, that, that sin and turn to the biblical, uh, um, if you will, uh, of what God is teaching us and telling us what we need to do. It, it, that needs to happen, okay? You've got to trust what God tells you to do is the right thing. And I, one of the greatest problems with trust is people do not trust that God's telling them to do what is right. They think they know better. They think they know better. They're trusting in themselves and they're trusting in their own righteousness. Take a look at Psalm chapter 26. Psalm chapter 26 and in verse 1, one of the key things that we see here in Psalm chapter 26 and in verse 1 he says, judge me, O Lord. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever sat down and say, Lord, I want you to judge me. No, 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 no. You know what we cling to? Judge not, lest we be judged. <laughs> Don't judge me. How about we ask the judge to judge us? Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. He's like, I want you to judge my integrity. I walked in this. Is it good enough for you, Lord? Is it what you want? Is it according to your will? Is it pleasing unto you? Would I be ashamed? Judge me. And he says, and this is his integrity. There we say, well, he's, you know, he's, you know, puffing himself up. No, here's his integrity. He says, I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. 
When somebody comes and says, I've got a sin problem, I'm having a hard time, I'm backsliding, I'm going back to where I don't want to be. And the answer is usually this, it's because you don't trust God. You, you don't trust him. I mean, you, you, you take a look here. He, this is exactly what he's saying. He's saying the integrity that he has, that, that he wants the Lord to judge, is based off of how much he trusts God. And the more he trusts God, the less he's going to slide. So when God says, study to show thyself approved, do we trust that? When a preacher or Sunday school's teacher says, you need to be in the Word of God, reading it and studying it and memorizing it and meditating on it, do we trust that? Do we trust the Holy Spirit to teach us? Do we trust ourselves to know the difference between what is right and what is wrong? He says... I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I will not slide. Excuse me, therefore, I shall not slide. He understands exactly why he goes backwards. Because it comes down to a compromised trust. And sometimes people will compromise trust in their life. Spouse has an affair, there's a compromised trust. Person steals from a company, there's a compromised trust. A person that has been in, in charge of a certain thing and neglects it, there's a compromised trust. And it's hard to trust those people again. But trust can be rebuilt over the course of time if both parties are willing to say, I will trust God wholly and completely. But I will make it very clear here. There is nothing that is compromised in trusting God. He has not lied to us. He has not betrayed us. And even though Job was going through all those things, he never cursed God and said, God, I don't trust you anymore. He maintained that relationship. He maintained it. He had some issues. But very clearly, he maintained it. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Take a look at Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37 is probably one of the most important verses that we can see here um, uh, in, in this passage, and we're going to hit another one that's equally important. In Psalm chapter 37, man, um, I know we're pressed for time, but I got to read the first part because it's great context. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. We need to hear that in this day and age. We really, truly do. Uh, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and thou verily shalt be fed. I love that part. Because you know what happens when we're focused and we're fretting on a person over here? We're not thinking about God. That becomes our preeminent thought. And, and I kind of go back to when Peter was like, well, what about John? You know, after Peter gives his little commission of feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He's like, well, what about John? And Jesus Christ says, what's it to you? Does it matter, Peter? Maybe you should focus on what I told you to do. And not focus on what I'm telling him to do. And so many times we become busybodies in people's lives and other people's matters 
We're more focused on talking about them than we're talking about our Savior, Jesus Christ. But here he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. It's hard to do that which is good if there is not trust in God. It's very hard. We go down this a little bit further. He says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And people jump all over that. The prosperity theory people are all over those things. And like, oh, look, I'm going to get the desires of my heart. Well, I want a Lamborghini. Why? So it can catch fire? Um, I don't know why those things catch fire, but they just do. But, you know, oh, so I can have that mansion? So I can have this? So I can have that? So I can win the lottery? No, 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 no. The desires of your heart should be God. The desires of your heart should be wisdom. The desires of your heart should be, I want a relationship with Christ. I want to be a man after God's own heart. Take a look at the two kings, Hezekiah and Josiah, and what God said about them and their heart and how they behaved themselves. He said, those two kings, there was none like them. There was none like Josiah and Hezekiah. But here we see in verse 5, he says, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You know, there's the problem. We're not willing to commit. We've got commitment issues. We're not willing to trust. We're not willing to trust him and let him bring it to pass. What do we want to do? We want to make it happen. As I said before, how many of us had plans? And how many times did God laugh at those plans? Oh, you wanted to do what with your life? Yeah, that's not going to happen. God had different ideas. We see, we, we see this as, as, as one of the biggest issues. And when it comes to this issue of trust, it comes down to the level of commitment. Am I willing to put that and place that in God's hand and say, it's yours. You do with it what you will. That's what trust is. Some people will just say, you know, you're going through a difficult times. They'll say, well, just trust God. What does that mean? You know what it means? It means your world is going to pot. Your world is falling apart. Are you willing to place yourself still and your life in the hands of a mighty God? But I need to fix this. No, you don't. Why do you need to fix it? Isn't it better if Christ fix it? Isn't it better if we do it his way? But but that's not exactly the direction I would go. That's the problem. That's the problem. The direction that we go doesn't take us where we need to be. It doesn't take us where God wants us to be. It doesn't draw us nearer to the Savior. It pushes us further away. Committing. He says here, commit thy way unto the Lord. Whatever path, whatever direction you think you're on, that needs to be committed to him and him alone. And he will bring to pass what he wants in our life if we are willing to just trust him and say, my life, Lord, isn't my life. It's given to you or given to me by you. It's yours to begin with. Lord, here, I trust you. I trust you. Take a look at another passage uh, uh, in uh, uh, in just uh, verse uh, chapter fifty six of the book of Psalms. I want to point this out, and then I want to point out one more verse in Psalm chapter fifty six. Going to take a look at two two verses specifically here, and in verse uh, uh, um, 
you know, verse 3, here he is talking about all the problems and all the things that are going on, all the enemies that are around. Here in verse 3 of Psalms chapter 56, he says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. The inverse is true. If you don't trust God, you're going to be living your life in a lot of fear and paranoia. People come to me and they're like, I got big fears. I got the fears this is going to happen. I got fears that this is going to happen. I got fear. I don't know what to do. I'm just like, ah, and they go into a panic, okay? Get it. I get it. I understand. I've been there. I've done that multiple times. And I will say, I probably will continue to do that sometimes. But here's the issue. I need to remember this verse, and the Holy Spirit brings it to remembrance when I go through stuff. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. I need to remember that my trust is in God. So when that fear crops up, that thought crops up, I go, yeah, you know, I'm not going to spend time thinking about that. I'm going to spend time thinking about how much I trust God. How much he's already blessed me. How much he's already done for me. How much he has just given to me and the benefits that I daily receive over and over and over and over again. I'm going to trust him. You jump down a little bit further here. He says in verse 11, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. What's man going to do? Well, he could lock me up. Yeah. Let's talk to Paul about that. They could kill me. Let's talk to James who was beheaded. They could betray me. Let's talk to Christ about that. Do we trust him? Do we trust him? When we're afraid, when things are against us, You're saying, when I'm afraid, I'm going to trust God. And he gets down to this part where he says, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid what they're going to do to me. Why? Because I'm trusting God. I'm trusting him. I'm committed myself to him. Over and over again, he's demonstrated how good he is to me. I want you to turn to one final passage. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. You know, over in Proverbs sixteen twenty, it talks about those that put their trust in God are happy. You want to pursue happiness? Pursue trusting God. A little sad going through some depression? Set those things that are depressing you aside and start trusting God more. Start going back and reflecting on how much goodness God has given unto you, and you will begin to realize how you can trust him more every single day. And guess what? You will be happy. It's a promise of God. Whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. But here we find in chapter 3, uh, one of these verses that is just, I mean, it's iconic. It's, 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 it's one of the ones that's it's like John 3.16. Verse 5. What's the very first word? Trust in the Lord. With what? How much of your heart? All of it. What does all mean? (laughs) Complete, inclusive of every single element and every single part. That's what all means. Every single part is included in that trust. Are you going to trust them with your thought life? Are you going to trust them with your words? Are you going to trust him with your actions? Are you going to trust him with uh, with your life? Are you going to trust him to do what is right? Are you going to trust him to, to, to guide you and direct you in the right paths? Are you going to trust him? He says here, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And what he says, and lean not unto thine own understanding. That's the problem. We think we know better. And that means we don't trust God. 
And I guarantee you, part of the issues that we have is we say, I trust God. What are you talking about? Paul? Yeah. That sounded vague and unconvincing. All? When your world's blown up like Job's? All? When you have nothing left except a piece of pottery with which to scrape yourself? All? We get a paper cut and we cry, God, why'd you let this happen? Somebody rear-ends our car. God, it's a, oh, my life is horrible. All? Every single part? Even those dark parts that you don't want anybody to ever see? That God clearly sees because he sees right through the darkness? Because there's no difference to him? All? All thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It's a great passage. But this is where the trust part comes down to. This is where the root of the matter is. Are you trusting him fully today? With everything. Young person, I don't know what God wants me to do in my, with my life. Are you trusting him? I, 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 I don't know if this is the person that I'm supposed to marry. Are you trusting him? You're at your job. You're going through some tough stuff. Things aren't going quite right. You're having a bad day. Do you trust him? You get word and you get a memo in the morning or the email, the company's being sold. I've been there several times. Do you trust him? The economy's going going haywire. We're gonna have a crash. It's gonna be worse than the Great Depression. Do you trust him? We may go to war with Russia and China at the same time. Do you trust him? My politicians and government, they're just, they're, they're running roughshod over me. Do you trust him? Do we fully understand the concept of putting all of ourselves in the hands of the Lord to do with what He will. Do we trust God? I was laying in a hospital bed for a few days. That thought just kept rolling around in my head. What if I don't make it? Will I trust him? What if this is permanent? Will I trust him? What if there's a financial drain? Will I trust him? What will happen if I can't get back into the pulpit? Will I trust him? What happens if my body can't serve him? Will I trust him? What happens if I can't do things as a husband and as a father? Will I trust him? Over and over and over and over again. And I go back to Job. 
Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. What are you trusting in this morning? Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the time that you've given to us. Thank you again, Lord, for an opportunity to look at this issue of trust. And Lord, I just pray that this morning, that if there's somebody here that is going through some difficult times, that regardless, they will look at you as their trust. They won't trust in themselves. They won't trust in their own bows and arrows and chariots and their own strength, which is feeble compared to what you have. But Lord, we will trust you as our all in all. Every area of our life, everything that we do. And Lord, we may grow weary along the way and along the path. Lord, may we continually be reminded our trust is in you. My life is in your hands. Everything that I do, Lord, should be pleasing and honoring unto you. And Lord, I pray that you would judge me, that you would search me, that you'd try me. And that, Lord, you'd point out the areas where I am not trusting you. Lord, may that be the prayer for every single one of us today. Show us where I'm not. Show me where I need to work on that. Show me, Lord, so that I can please you with all that I am. Lord, I just think again, I want to thank you for continuing to speak to us, continuing to teach us, continuing to guide us and direct us. Lord, may we trust you in all our ways. And this I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.